0: It's just lovely to be immersed in corporate worship again. It's been a long time for us, and we're sort of run through why that is. When someone says, "Please just come and share," and I said about anything in particular, like, "Nope, I think it's very brave. Um, but obviously, we've prayed into it, and I kind of I think everybody would probably have a lockdown story over the last two years. Um, so we, we will end with that. But but to start with I think I think you know when you open that door to Jesus, he stirs something up in you and, and you have a few things I like to call them. It might be a ministry, it might be something else. And one of I would say our things is we have such a heart for people that are just on the cusp of meeting Jesus. Someone that won't quite walk through that door on a Sunday morning or to a gathering, but they're there on the sidelines. They're interested, you know they are. So that's one of our big things: is to try and meet people where they're at, walk with them, and just get that Bible, squeeze it, get that little essence out of it, which we call the taste of Jesus. Give them a little bit, and quite often they want to come back and have have more. So I've, I've found that. You know, non-Christian people don't particularly like to be preached at. Um, as soon as you mention the word God, they'll shut the door and glaze over. So, you know, I like Jesus' approach of sort of parables because he would, he would tell a story. He wouldn't, depending on who he was hanging out with, he changed the way he delivered his message. So, if he was talking to people that he wanted to get to know God, that didn't know God, he'd use a parable, which I... I cool sort of sneaking the message in the back door because you tell a story and before they've had a chance to shut the door you've told them a little bit about God so that, that's kind of where, where we're at um, and I find that, that non-Christians you know if you make them sure they know you're a Christian you're kind of the only Bibles they read because they will watch you how you behave react and respond in certain situations so how you behave publicly and privately is really important um, so that, that's kind of where our heart is. Is for those people that are on the cusp. Um, so, so how, how do you how do you meet those people? So, um, so a bit of background to us: we are we're both brought up being we would say believers. You know, I don my lovely Cub Scout outfit, go to church, hold my flag, um, go to all the you know church services that you you go to with your family, but never really developed any further than that until. 17 years ago nearly, I stared at my baby daughter in the eyes and I was like, whoa, where, where have you come from? Where's, I'm staring creation in the face. I mean, I know we're good, but we're not that good. So that's when our journey really started, I'd say, to, on the verge of going towards being proper Christians, whatever that may mean. So we were living in Hatchwarren at the time. We started going to Emmanuel Church, lovely uh, Reverend there, Mark Elvin many moons ago, um, I could see Jesus in his eyes. He just had something. So we signed up for the Alpha course and got absolutely blown away on the Holy Spirit weekend. And I was like, because I always thought that you'd do your Christian journey, find out at the end if it's true. But all of a sudden, there was this living God that came into our lives. The door was opened. He came in. He gave us these you know he gave us ministries, he gave us you know groups of people we really had a heart for. So we stayed at that church for the rest of Mark's posting. Then we felt we needed to move on, we felt we needed more, had a little look around, and somehow we ended up at the Winchester Vineyard, which we stayed at for five years. Um, we ran the Winchester Vineyard House Group, and it's lovely to see someone here that actually came to it. And she's got a wonderful testimony of the time we had there. Um, and we we were at the, you know, you're the novice Christian. You're the sponge. You want to know everything. We signed up for every course and everything there was. We spent five years just soaking, absorbing, you know, getting to know Jesus. We went, um, we ended up leading half the worship ministry before we left, having never done anything musical before in our lives. God just opened that door. Um... We, I was leading the Freedom Prayer Ministry before we left. Um, but it got to about five years, and I sat there, listened to a sermon, and I was like, I've heard this one. I, I want to start doing some of these things. So one Sunday we were driving down, and I just felt God say, why are you going to Winchester? Why are you going to Winchester? I was like, I don't know. Um, then I had a picture in my mind of a plant in a pot, and the roots were full in that pot. So if I didn't take that plant out and go and put it somewhere else, it would choke. So we went, right, we we left we, in, in wonderful terms with the Winchester Vineyard. Um, and they were like, oh, out of church, you've got to be careful, you're going to fall away. And I was like, I oh, know you have to be careful. And we we linked in with some people in Winchester we stayed in touch with. We carried on doing bits of worship in some other churches. really good friend of ours ran the tent on the green that was done two years, 48 hours of worship, we got involved with that, um, and we've experienced some wonderful things through that. I mean, there was a 48-hour rotor of continuous worship outside a tent, outside Winchester Cathedral, and then we got the four o'clock slot Sunday morning. But it was inside the cathedral, and it was just one of the most incredible experiences we've ever had. We were worshipping, and people were stumbling home from their night out (laughs) through the door, (laughs) sitting down, like, what are you lot doing? But they joined in with the worship and then the sun began to rise and the birds woke up and the birds joined in with our worship and it was, it was just incredible so we came back to Basingstoke we, we'd had words of leadership spoken over us church planting all sorts there was another couple Steve and Lucy planting a Basingstoke vineyard at the time um, so naturally we came back to Basingstoke and started a running club because that's the obvious next step
1: I I, I just literally, so I used to like run um, regularly and I'd turn up to the school run in my running clothes. And um, a a load of people would always say to me, Oh, I really want to run, but I just don't know how, you know, I I couldn't do it. And I was like, Yeah, you could. And they were like, No, 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 I couldn't. And so I just came home literally one evening and I was like, We need to start a running club.
0: (laughs) So so to us, it was a church in running shoes. People knew we were Christians. We made that upfront, open. Everyone knew that. And, and it's amazing. It became a everyone comes to play, all abilities. We put over 150 people through the Couch to 5K course to teach people how to run. Because so, there was there was obviously the Athletics Club in the region. There was uh, Phil Norris' brigade over in Genham. Um But there was nothing in our area. And, and Daniel just saw the need there. So we set up this community of people that wanted to just learn how to run. But it became so much more because we put this spirit at the center of it i mean over the we ran it for four years and gave it away because we you know we feel like we've done it we set it up we, we had the spirit we wanted at the center of it but well, we actually ran two alpha courses with members of the running club in a in our house because it and because people might not come and do it at a church and we did it in our living room had incredible time um when you go on a long run with someone, you get opportunities to talk to them about Jesus because it gets tough and they start looking up and you're like, oh, well, if you want to know um, the guy up there, we can have a little chat. So we did, it was a community project. Um, We've we've raised hundreds of thousands for charity through the club. Um, There was a terminally ill boy in our community that we helped send to Florida. We raised £10,000 for the hospice that looked after him. But it came to a point where we get to the point of our pot is full again. I need to replant it. But what's next? It's hard to find those things. And, and sometimes you don't always get them right. Um, we did an event called a pint of worship. It was at the White Hart. Um, we had the floor upstairs. We ran that for a while. Yeah, We had some amazing times. But it, it kind of served its purpose and ran its course and then, um, obviously, we've connected with a few churches in Basingstoke. We used to do some work worship at East Church, um, the Wessex Church. We've done worship there for quite, quite a lot. Um, so we're always looking for what that next thing is going to be, keeping those connections, because we don't want it to get cut off. We don't want to get cut off and isolated. Um, and then I'd say the next massive opportunity there was to do uh, an unofficial outreach was in lockdown. Um, So we're talking back in March 2020, the world was just about to go into lockdown and we were about to go through our darkest time ever.
1: So, yeah, so um, back to March 2020. Gosh, almost two years ago now. Where did that go? Um, So literally, I think actually on the Friday, um, we'd just been told that we were going to be working from home. I think the government had announced that everyone was to work from home. I'm very blessed to work for compassion uk um and literally yeah they denounced that the offices were closing um and so it was the following monday and it was my first day sort of working from home and um i found two lumps in my left breast and one under my uh in my sort of under my arm Um, basically i was very lucky actually because obviously the world was kind of going a bit crazy that i was able to get a doctor a physical doctor's appointment the next day um I think they could hear how concerned I was. They were like, yeah, you know, do come in. Um, So I went to the doctors. Um, She sort of did an examination and she sort of said, you know, yeah, we need to get this looked at. Um, Because of COVID, you know, she was saying, you know, it could be three or four weeks before you can have a scan. I mean, as you can imagine, I was just thinking, there's just no way. I was already like in pieces and just thinking the thought of just like, having to wait three or four weeks to even just before i know what's going on um i'm very blessed um we work at compassion it's a charity so we don't get huge salaries but we do have some good benefits working there and one of those is is private medical so i actually called up my private medical company and just said look we literally would go anywhere just to get a scan to find out what's going on Um, And they said, actually, you know, Harley Street in London can see you in two days time. So um, we actually it was crazy, wasn't it? I remember we got the train up to London um, and we decided to walk because we didn't want to take public transport because everything was crazy. I think we walked about 10 miles that day, didn't we? I was just in an, it, it seemed, I remember just being in an absolute blur. Like I really, I was like there, but I wasn't there. I felt like a slight zombie. We were just walking and just kind of, yeah, really strange time. But um, I was lucky to be able to have a, like a kind of what they call like an all-in-one breast screening service. So I had literally everything, consultation, biopsies, mammograms, scams, literally the lot. Um, I then had to go back the following day for a PET scan, um, the consultant basically told us on that day that it doesn't look good. <laughs> um, she said it, it looks suspicious, which is basically means they think you've got cancer, um, but they can't obviously confirm anything until they get all the results back from all, th- all the tests. So on the Monday, we got the call from the consultant to say um, yes, it's cancer. So I was I was um, diagnosed with. Grade three, stage two, invasive breast cancer, which had also spread to some of my lymph nodes. So, um, basically, the following day, I had a call with the oncologist, um, who was absolutely amazing. Um, she said, you know, basically told me like this is what this is what this is what the treatment plan is, um, which was basically going to include sixteen weeks of chemotherapy, uh, a mastectomy. 15 rounds of radiotherapy um you know and you're just like there thinking so (laughs) mark and i as we said we're avid runners like we've been running for years like i've been running
0: and she ran 22 miles the saturday before she found the lump
1: yeah, we've been. Tra- I've been training for Manchester and London marathons, which were supposed to be like the following month. Obviously, they were cancelled because of COVID. i um, absolutely felt, fun, you know. So literally, it was like running 50 miles a week. Um, you know, we're avid runners. I eat really well. You know, I'm like really into my nutrition. And, I- and you're just there going, like this can't be true. Like, you know, like you hear the stats, don't you? They say on the telly, like, yeah, one in two people will get cancer at some point in their life. But you're like, no, this, this, this can't be happening to me. Um, and I remember thinking at that time, I was like, I don't want to die. Like, that was the first thing I thought, I really don't want to die. And it's not, it's really weird, because, you know, most of you will will realise that as a Christian, like, dying isn't something that you're afraid of, like, we know where we're going to when we leave this world, right, so it's not, so, it's not like you're scared of dying, you know, you know where you're going, but I almost just felt like, I was like, God, I'm not ready to go yet, like, I feel like you've got too much more for me yet, and I'm just not ready, um, you know, and you think about your children, and you start thinking about all the things that you want to kind of be, in, like, experience and, and, and see, and, and see them going through, um, so I think at that point, I just remember thinking, okay, I know what I'm facing now. I know what the treatment is. I'm ready to fight this. Um, Yeah, I think, yeah, you kind of go into fight mode then. And and we were like, we were on our knees. We were on our knees like, oh, my goodness, you know, how are we going to get through this? Um, But equally, we were like, we're ready to fight this.
0: Yeah, and, and I think once you had, I called it the menu of things you had to go through. And, you know, one of Danielle's friends had previously been through breast cancer and she gave her the advice of, like, it's your, like you run your marathon, it's 26 miles. You don't run it in one go, you run one mile at a time. Or as Rocky said, one round, one step, one punch at a time. So we were very, very much in that mentality. But then we were also like, right, hold on a minute. We need to invite someone into this situation with us. So when we were on our knees, we invited Jesus into the centre of this. And we thought, you know, how can we walk this out with Jesus? So we set up a Facebook page. Well, To start with, I, I, I was getting messages left, right and centre and having to tell 50 people each time we got an update. I was
1: going to say, sorry, that, I think that was one of the hardest things for me because... While we were kind of like going through, like, you know, going for the appointments, finding out what was happening, we hadn't actually spoken to many people. Obviously, we told family, we told the children because we knew that, like, I can't hide how I'm feeling and we knew that they were going to know. So we told them we were really open and honest with them. We wanted them to, to be aware of the situation. We told some family and a few friends that were praying for us, but we hadn't gone public. And actually, going public was almost quite scary because once it's out there, it's real <laughs> and it's like, oh, God. My goodness, but yeah. So, Mark, you put together the post, didn't you? So I, so
0: I, I did an you know an announcement for all our friends, and just and then I, on, on the side I, we'd set up a, a private Facebook group for anyone that wanted to come on the journey with us, called Team Butler's Journey, because some people can't cope with it. We've had some friends that. Could barely speak to us during the whole thing because they just can't face it. They don't want to face what you're going through. It's not anything malicious or they're not being nice. They just can't handle what you're going through. So, we, in the public post I put, I, we'd created this group called Team Butler's Journey, and we said, anybody that wants to come on this journey with us, request to join it. So, bang, 250 people straight away. And a lot of them were Christian friends, non Christian friends. So, we saw this as another opportunity because, you know, we were asking for prayer requests. And so non-Christian people are like, what's that all about? You know, so we were praying for stuff. And this is, we were in proper lockdown there. And Danielle was in the top tier of vulnerability. We couldn't do anything. I couldn't get a hug off my mum or my dad. Oh, come. Um, And it was really tough. And and there's, you know, silly things. Like that group was our lifeline to the outside world. So Danielle likes a lemon water in the morning. We'd run out of lemons, so I put on the page. We've run out of lemons. Go to the front door, and there was a mound of lemons. We've run out of anything extras. I've made dominoes out of them, and of course, the group was an amazing support, and it was it was a lifeline to us, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah it was. I think, um, particularly for me as well. Like, I don't know if anyone's been through chemotherapy, but um, it can be really tough at times, and. There's days when you just feel like because it affects your immune system as well. Like, you can be, you know, have days where you just feel really kind of like down and really vulnerable. And um, for me, just being able to like be real on the page as well, so I could just share because initially you're like, Oh, I just kind of share, you know, if I'm going for an appointment, this, but actually, just being able to say, Actually, I'm feeling really low today. And the messages that would come in from people who are like, You know, you're doing great, keep going, or I'm praying for you. It was just it was such a, a blessing, and it really. Really, kind of helped me through some like quite dark times or some you know some really difficult times throughout that period um yeah I think like the friend that sort of said to me as well it was it was like like Mark said the friend that sort of said just take it one step at a time I think just looking at the enormity of what I had to go through it was just too much to bear so just being able to break it down I was like right I'm just first of all I'm just going to focus on the first 12 weeks of chemo then I'm going to go to the next four weeks of stronger chemo. Then I'll think about the surgery once that's done and then I'll think about the radiotherapy. So it was just breaking it down. And um, yeah, I think that just really, really helped us, um, helped us through. So obviously
0: at that time, it wasn't just our lives that were going nuts. So many people were going through their own pains and struggles and there was a huge need out there. And a lot of, obviously most of the churches were shut. People couldn't go to church. Um, then all of a sudden Lee Nurse died, a cricketer in Basingstoke. We we knew him, um, I'm close with some of his family. I'd been praying with them throughout his time in hospital. And at the time I was having to drive Daniel to London each time for chemo and I remember sat out in the car and his cousin texted me and said, Lee's just died. I'm like, what? You know, a fit, healthy cricketer, absolutely gobsmacked. There was so much need out there that people couldn't get served in a, a more traditional way. They couldn't go to a church, even if they didn't go to church because they were shut. Um, my great aunt died and her daughter really struggled with that. So we've been praying with her and there was this huge need. And then we just had the idea of this, our heart for the people on the fringes. Um, all of a sudden you could do PE with Joe Wicks. You could learn to play piano with Mylene Class, You could cook with Jamie Oliver. And I was like... Why don't we do worship with the butlers, you know? So it was coming up, it was Easter Sunday. We just had the idea that we'd never done it before. We'd never been brave enough. We went Facebook Live at 10 o'clock, not just to our friends, but to the entire world. And we did an an Easter service. And we prayed for people that had asked us for things. We prayed for Lee, his family, um, my um, great aunt 's daughter that 's a confusing relationship i don 't know what that is um, some s- removed cousin type scenario, um, so we set up this worship. We were just going to do it once. It just felt like the right thing to do and we had the most incredible time the most incredible time and I, I checked earlier and, and over seven hundred people have been on that worship with us so and I thought hold on i mean this is this is working you know this is this is something that can reach people. Um, so we did week two week two because we'd gone full on full throttle week one I did a sort of worship for dummies so I was explaining what we were doing in throughout the set of the worship in you know adoring God you know bringing him into our situation we were singing raise a hallelujah and I said look we're just here creating an environment we're raising our own hallelujah we're raising our prayers for Danielle but you've got to respond and raise your own prayers and hallelujahs so so we started doing this, and all of a sudden, ping, 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 we're getting messages, prayer requests from non-Christian friends. I watched you this morning. I don't know what you were doing, but I loved it. I felt my spirit really lift. I don't know what it could possibly be. And, and this happened, and, you know, in faithfulness, we committed to do it every week while the UK was in lockdown. And average sort of 500 hits a week... Um, we missed one Sunday because I ran the virtual London Marathon for Danielle because she was supposed to be doing it but couldn't. Um, And then the whole family got struck with COVID in January, so we were down for three weeks with that. But in total, we did 58 weeks live worship
1: yeah I think what was really amazing as well is just like as Mark said it was like we just get messages from people who you know didn't know God but they were like I just really you know I don't know what it is but I just love watching you it just you know it just gives me such peace it's a real blessing and like you say prayer requests we get answers to prayer um we have people like tuning in so I had an old school friend who lives in Canada and she used to tune in later in the day um we had people from Israel that you work with Australia it was just yeah it was just really amazing but it was, it was amazing because we could, obviously we were going through our own situation and we were able to like, you know, to pray into that. But equally, um, you know, we're saying everyone has their own you know lockdown story. Everyone was going through difficulty, So it was really amazing just to be able to kind of, you know, pray with other people as well, wasn't it? And
0: it's, uh, it's still on Facebook. So I went back and watched week one again. We didn't know where this story would end up. So we walked Danielle from invasive cancer over the time to...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Cancer-free. So I was kind of officially told, obviously, after my mastectomy that, you know, the the cancer is is, is gone. Um, But after that, I had to obviously had radiotherapy. And then I had a course of... I had to go through six months of um, chemotherapy tablets... It's basically like a kind of preventative thing that they do to sort of stop the cancer coming back or trying to stop the cancer coming back. Um, So that's basically I had the radiotherapy and then I started the chemo tablets this time last year. Actually, it was on New Year's Day 2021, wasn't it? So I had to have six months of chemo tablets and... um, Yeah, we'd actually decided at that point, hadn't we, um, that we were going to run the London Marathon in the October. (laughs) Because the London Marathon had been put back till October, we were like, right, OK, so my chemo tablets are going to stop in June. OK, we've got time to kind of, you know, to train for this. Um, We knew it wasn't going to... We weren't going to be doing it to break any records, but the idea was that it would put a kind of real end sort of point to what we'd been through. um, And we wanted to raise an enormous amount of money for a breast cancer charity. So um, it was a bit up and down because obviously I was on the chemo tablets. One of the big side effects is like really sore palms of your hands and soles of your feet. They were like red raw after a few cycles. So I actually had to stop running for a few months um, after a few cycles in didn't I? I had to sort of just like go out on my bike just to keep a bit of general fitness. So it wasn't really until the June um, when we started properly like training for the marathon in the October. Um, and it was really just a case of building up my fitness. I'd, I was on a 12-week running ban after my surgery. So from the October to the December, wasn't able to run at all. Then obviously was out because of my sore hands and feet. So it, it wasn't easy, but...
0: <laughs> it never is, running a marathon. Um, <laughs> but we had such a great start to the day, marathon day. Danielle got her hand stuck in an espresso machine. <laughs> So, I thought that was going to look great in the photos. But, you know, we did it. She did it. I just had to stand next to her and run. She was incredible. And what was lovely about it was the finished photo we got was used as the London Marathon Christmas card this year. Of all the hundreds of thousands of photos that were taken that day, that picture got sent to like millions of people, which is amazing. But I was just going to say um, what our story changed for us when we invited Jesus into that storm that storm and because you can't do it on your own you need his strength and me as the daddy of the household i was struggling because i was holding up the hope protecting the children from i didn't know what was going to happen um, and it was really strugg- i really struggled and then and then i realized that i one of the things i do to raise my mental health and my spirit, other than praise, go for a run. And I went, Mark, you haven't been for a run in ages yet. And we live behind the Holiday Inn right near um, Hackwood Park. If you don't know where that is, it's beautiful. They have put massive black gates on it and pretend to make it look like you're not allowed in there, but you are. And they love it when you go in there because there's a public right of way from Victorian time so that the plebs could get to church, which is wonderful. So you can go in there and I love it in there because you've got the, the wild deer, the tame deer, all sorts. And occasionally you see animals. On this particular morning, I was in such a dark place and I really needed to meet with God and I went for a run. I went through the black gates and got to the first long path that goes up and this squirrel just came down a tree and ran with me. And I was like, okay, That's nice. And I ran all the way up the first path. Then he went up a tree, and I was like, "Oh, that was a pleasant experience." Then I turned left, and there was a a baby deer on the left. And he ran, he she—I don't know—you can tell at that Um, age—he ran with me all the way up to the the locking gate. And I thought, "This is nice." And I really felt like God was with me in nature. Then, then I went through this big gate, and we've been going to Hackwood Park for years. And there was this great big sign that said, stay on path. It didn't say stay on the path. It said stay on path, which is massively different. Because I knew we had this journey ahead of us. And I knew we had to endure to get through it. And I just felt that sign was for me. And that's actually a photo of the sign that was in Hackwood Park. Because a friend heard this story and said, you should make a T-shirt of that. I went, all right. Um, so I saw this sign and I, and I thought, that's for me. And I was listening to worship music when, when I was running that morning. I ran down a lovely hill. You've got a, a wild deer herd on your right. You go over an old bridge. And then I, I ran up to my turning point. So I did like a one and a half mile out and back. And these three dogs just joined me. The, the, the owner was like, they're, "They're friendly." I was like, "Yeah, fine." So they they ran with me to the bail and back, and then as I was coming back to where this sign was, I was listening to the song that says, "It's um, so let it go, my soul, and trust in Him. The waves and wind still know His name." And I felt the presence of God hit me like I'd never experienced it in my life, and I just went down to my knees. I started crying, or tears of joy, because it was what I needed. I needed to know that God was in that place with me, He was with us on that journey and, and, and I just came back and saw Danielle like I walked out back in her you won 't believe what just happened, and it was such an incredible testimony and the funny funny thing is that the guy that made this sign heard because I, I, I posted this as a testimony publicly and he heard my story and he just sent me a message said I'm glad you found my sign next time I went in there it was gone
1: (laughs) it was amazing there was there were certainly times I remember there was times um you know when I was going through treatment and I just remember like praying and and I was able to still kind of get out for a run even when I was going through chemotherapy not huge amounts I just go out for a little 5k run and it's It just helped me. It just helped me mentally, I think, just to sort of, you know... Uh, I don't know, I, yeah, it just, just to make me feel like I was doing something normal, you know, and it was, it was great. And actually there was one incredible time, wasn't there, where we literally, as I was running, Mark and I were running together and the heavens just opened and there was this almighty storm. And Mark actually took a photo of me that ended up in the Basingstoke Gazette, because it was very much like we were running through this physical storm, but we were also running through a huge storm in our lives and it just seemed really apt at the time. And they called
0: her an inspiring woman of Basingstoke <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah there was there was times as well where I felt like i was I was praying um I was like god i you know I was like i can 't do this anymore, this is really tough you know and and there was times when I felt like God was on mute. And I remember saying to Mark, I'm like, I'm praying and I just don't feel like I'm getting anything. And I remember you saying to me, he's like, he's having to do a mighty big battle for you right now. Um, But actually there was also some incredible times. And there was one particular time that I remember when we were driving up to London, To go for, I had to go up. So I finished, just finished my twelve rounds of chemo, and I was just about to start the four stronger rounds of chemo, um, which I knew was going to be hard. And they said you need to come up to London for a heart scan to check that your heart's strong enough for you to be on this chemo. Um, And I was also going up to get some like genetics um, tests back to check that you know if it was genetic. I was doing a few things that day, wasn't I? And I just remember feeling really like anxious, quite overwhelmed. So as we were driving up there, we were just praying. And I just felt the peace of God come over me. And um, as I was waiting like to go in for the heart scan, I was just sat there and I looked outside and literally the heavens just opened. It was just like pouring it down with rain. And I remember thinking to myself to go out in a minute because often when you have appointments it's like you'll have one appointment in one building and then you've got to go somewhere else for another scan so it was like a couple of roads down and I was like I haven't it was summer I was like I haven't got a coat I'm gonna get absolutely drenched Um, so anyway I went in for the appointment came out the literally the second I opened the door the rain just stopped and the sun came out and it was just it was just like God was just like, I just felt him just take my hand and say, Danielle, I'm with you. And, you know, it was just incredible just to, you know, have those times when he was just like reassuring me that he was right there with us in that situation. So
0: that's that's our lockdown story. Um, obviously, we used that thing that I said we have to reach a lot of people and we're still, we went to the Basingstoke State Legends Festival and a couple of my old school friends that aren't Christians went, oh, miss your worship, really miss it. And we're like, but it didn't feel right to, to carry on doing it. So we're still looking, searching for our next thing. Um, I, I know that our lives are gonna change this year because I've already been told I'm being made redundant after 16 years in April. But I'm actually really excited about that because I think God's got a plan with it. Um, and the other night I was asleep and I got woken up by the audible voice saying seven candles, which we know the seven candlesticks in Revelation, so I'm still trying to find out you know, the rest of that. Um, so we're just keeping our ears open. We love doing things like this because it links in with churches and we get fed in corporate worship. So I want to know what's next for me And only by opening that door that you mentioned and letting God into every room will you find where He's going to use you. Because there could be one of the rooms that's got shut, could have something in it that God can use to, to change your life or give you your next thing.
1: Thinking along that as well, you know, we talked about um, the Team Butler journey page, and I remember actually, like sometimes you don't even know like the effect that something is having because initially we set that up very much as a this is for you know a place that we can share with people so that we can you know don't have to send hundred messages to everyone. Um, but I remember I think I was it was when I was on my chemo tablets and we we'd gone for a run and there was a lady a couple of ladies on a on horseback and one of them stopped and she said. I recognize you she was like oh team butler's journey and i was like yeah and she's like oh I'm, I'm on your page i didn't know who she was she said i'm actually going through um chemotherapy myself for breast cancer and your page has been such a blessing to me because i've been able to follow your journey and it's been such a blessing so it's it's weird like sometimes you like you know you're doing something for a particular reason but it can be you know it, it can bless other people as well so yeah yeah,
0: so I think our, our thing to leave it on, really, is is just to try and encourage you. You'll, you'll know what your things are that Jesus has given you and what's on your heart, and to find out what's next for you. And only by opening every door and fully surrendering to him will that be revealed to you. And that's kind of really where we're at now, where we're like, what's next for us, God? But it's for everyone. What's your next thing going to be? What's your next encounter, journey, challenge, wonderful experience.